Let's go ahead and read it. So this is uh, Exodus 16, 1 through 3. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out, of the, of this, out into this wilderness to kill us, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And we'll stop there. So like I said, today we're talking about the practice of gratitude, and this is a practice that really it deserves more than just one day out of the year surrounded with uh, you know, turkey and cranberry sauce. This is a practice that, that I hope we can set into our everyday lives. It's just crucial for what it means to follow Jesus. Now years ago, uh, I found myself in a job that I didn't like. Uh, and here was the situation. So I was, uh, I was church planting in, in Los Angeles, which means I was starting a church. But my church was filled with uh, young <clears throat> college pe- uh, students and artists and musicians. And, and people in, in that age category have not yet learned uh, this thing called tithing. And so we were kind of we struggling with, with, with uh, making the bills and, and keeping... Uh, the ends meeting, and, and then on top of that, the guy I was working with had sort of a burnout situation, so he had to quit, which meant that I had to go looking for another job, and so I, I searched, and finally I found this job at a big industrial supply company called MasterCard. Now, this is a great company, and it paid the bills. Uh, it was a great job. Many people in LA would have loved the job that I had, but I hated it. And one of the reasons why I didn't like it is because it was industrial supplies. If I was, you know, I was tasked with selling these things, if I was selling surfboards or theology books or anything else, I would have been happy, but I was, I was stuck selling tractors and, and nails and hammers and tools and things like that. So I was frustrated. And then on, uh, you know, in addition to all of that, just the, the environment was kind of frustrating because they would hire these managers that were just out of college. And so my manager was about 12 years, no, he was probably like 21 years old. But to me, he seemed like just a young kid. And there was one day where it all just kind of came to a head where my manager was giving me a review and uh, here's this young guy and he's saying, you know, Brent, you really need to shape up. And I, I remember just sitting there listening to him just, him just thinking, you know, I've got a master's degree. In theology, I could almost be your father, and you're telling me what to do, and I was so frustrated, and I remember as I left the office, I just started grumbling under my breath, and I I got in the car to to go home to my family, and I remember I I stuck a CD into the the, uh, radio there, and if if you're under 25 years old, by the way, a CD, it's kind of like Spotify in physical form, where you get like, there's like a little reflective disc, anyway, I put it into the into the, uh, the player there, and I was listening to one of my favorite songs, just grumbling all the way home. And I remember thinking, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. This is not what I expected. This is not what I felt like I deserved. And I bring that up because maybe there's some of you in this room here today where you're in a circumstance, and, and, and maybe you're thinking, I didn't ask for this. I didn't expect this. This is not what I deserve. 
You know, maybe you expected to, have a, to be in your dream job, and instead you are stuck in emails and traffic and you're frustrated. Or maybe you expected your dream marriage, you know, one that looked like Cinderella and Prince Charming, but instead it looks like Edith and Archie Bunker, right? Or maybe a dream has failed you, or maybe, you know, your health has failed you, or maybe somebody has betrayed you, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I didn't ask for this, and I'm frustrated, And maybe you're tempted to start grumbling. Well, the practice of gratitude is especially important in moments like these. You know, often we think that I'll be grateful when my life gets better. I'll be grateful when things turn around, when I have things to be grateful for. But in the Bible, gratitude is something that you do right in the midst of circumstances that are unideal. In fact, the Gallup study that was started in 2012 called the World Happiness Report showed that the happiest people were not those whose circumstances were great, but they were people who learned how to be, grat- to be grateful. It showed that grateful people are happier, more satisfied with their lives and social relationships. They were more forgiving and more supportive of those they love. They were less depressed, less stressed, less envious, and less anxious. And there were all of these things right in the midst of circumstances that many people would say, why are you grateful for that? And in the Bible, there are so many passages about gratitude and and what it means to be grateful. And, And we learn in scripture that being grateful, especially when things get hard, is actually a key part of what it means to follow Jesus. But here's the question today. So if you are in a tough circumstance where you're tempted to grumble, how do you move from a place of grumbling into a place of gratitude? What does that look like? How do we take this journey um, from, from where we are as we sit in the seat this morning to a place where we can practice gratitude? That's what we're going to see today. And we're going to do it by looking at, like I said, at Exodus chapter 16. This is a, a wonderful story here in the Old Testament about the children of, of, of Israel. But I want to give you a little bit of backstory before we get into it. So the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they were described as God's chosen people. Uh, God said, I'm, chosen, I'm choosing you, uh, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to bless you so that you could be a blessing to all the world. But then by the end of the book of Genesis, with a huge twist in the story, we find the people of Israel enslaved in the land of Egypt. And so there they are, uh, you know, making bricks and under horrible uh, circumstances, you know, doing hard labor. And in the midst of this horror, they cry out to God. And through a series of miraculous events and plagues and, and supernatural things, God delivers his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But they aren't, there, they aren't there yet. Before they get there, they are stuck in the wilderness. And that's where we pick up our, our story here. They're in the wilderness and they're hungry. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. And notice what it says here. It says, they set out from Elim and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And then it says, the whole congregation of the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. So here they are, and the text says that they are grumbling. Now, the word in Hebrew for grumble is a really interesting word. It means a soft complaint. 
You know, sometimes grumbling can be loud and proud and overt, and everybody around you knows that you're grumbling, but, but this kind of uh, murmuring is just a soft complaint. It's something you do under your breath. I remember doing this uh, when I was a teenager. You know, my parents would say, you know, Brent, go to your room after something, something I had done. And so I go to the room and, I'm, and I start to grumble. You know, stupid parents. When I get out of this house, I'm going to... What's that, Brent? Oh, nothing, nothing, right? It's something you do under your breath. It's quiet. And it's something that, that you do not only as a teenager, but it, it works into our adult lives, doesn't it? You know, maybe at work around the, the, uh, the water cooler, you grumble about your boss, you grumble about an, um, upper management, or you're, you're talking about the, the frustrating culture of the place. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Or maybe it's when you're laying in bed at night and you're having that kind of imaginary conversation to yourself about what you would have said or what you should have said or what you will say to that person who's wronged you. And it's kind of like this tape that goes over and over again. Or maybe it just takes the form of, of, of a cynicism and a sarcasm that just kind of drips its, drips its way through all of your life. Kind of a perpetual sour mood. A lot of us can do exactly what the children of Israel are doing here in this frustrating circumstance. And it's easy, easy for us to look at this and condemn them and say, well, they shouldn't have been doing that. But you got to understand, they were going through hard circumstances here. Uh, they didn't have food or water, and they didn't know where it was going to come from. And so they're frustrated. Here's what I want you to see about the grumbling. I want you to see that it was contagious. It started with one person, but before long, the whole congregation is grumbling. I also want you to see that it's a reflection of ingratitude. The grumbling is an outward expression of an inward ingratitude. And I also want you to see that it's very, very serious. Uh, later on, it says that the people of Israel, initially they were grumbling against Moses and Aaron. But later on, Moses and Aaron say, actually, what you're really doing is you're, com- you're grumbling against God. Your complaint is not just against upper management. You are ultimately grumbling against your creator. So this is serious business. But what's the lesson in the story? Let's, let's look and see here. Um, It says here in verse 2, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. So here we see the lesson in the story. The reason why the Israelites are grumbling and the reason why so many of us often grumble in our lives has to do with what we're focusing on. The Israelites focused on their difficulty, the difficulty of their circumstances, instead of focusing on the provision of God. And you see how short-sighted they are here. They, they start, you know, they're so upset that they begin reminiscing about the good old days of slavery where we used to eat, you know, meat to the full, and we would sit, you know, kind of recline back in our chairs and, and enjoy the land of Egypt. You see, they're, they're not even seeing reality here. They are focused so intensely on their bad circumstances in the moment, and they're not recognizing the, the good provision of God. You see, up to this point, God had provided for the people of Israel again and again and again. He had rescued them out of Egypt, 
Just a few chapters before, he had, he had fed them food and given them water out of a rock, miraculously. The evidence of God's goodness was all around them. But they couldn't see it because they were so zeroed in on their bad circumstance. And you see, we can do this too, can't we? And this is where ingratitude comes from. It's when we're so zeroed in and focused on all the things that are wrong in our lives. All the things that we hate, all the things that we're frustrated about, that we fail to see the goodness of God everywhere else in life. And gratitude comes when you choose to focus on God's provision. You know, nowadays I read a lot of children's books, and some of you young parents probably have uh, become very familiar with this uh, body of literature. And one of, one of my favorite books uh, that I've read recently to the kids is one about Pete the Cat. Maybe some of you have read about Pete the Cat. And Pete, uh, he's this, he, there are so many poignant, you know, simple lessons in the story, but there's one called Pete the Cat and His Magic Sunglasses. And so the story begins where Pete, you know, he's usually a pretty upbeat and positive cat, but in this particular day, he's just having, it's just, it's just rough, you know, and things are going wrong, and he's frustrated, and he's sad. And then he runs into a, a character called the Grumpy Old Toad. And the Grumpy Old Toad gives Pete a pair of magic sunglasses. And he says, Pete, you got to put these on. It's going to change everything. And so Pete puts on the, the magic sunglasses. And instead of seeing all, everything that's wrong, he begins to see the sun and the sky and the clouds and the birds and all the beautiful things in the world. But then one day, in a tragic skateboarding accident, Pete falls down and he breaks his magic sunglasses. And he's so upset and he's so frustrated about this. And he doesn't know what he's going to do now, but then he runs into Wise Old Owl. And Wise Old Owl gives Pete some amazing advice. It's so simple, but I think it's great. He says, Pete, you don't need Harrison's magic sunglasses to see things in a whole new way. Just remember to look for the good in every day. Look for the good in every day. You see, this is what gratitude is about. It's about changing the things that you focus your mind upon. Are you going to focus on everything that's wrong? Or are you going to fix your mind on the good? On the provision of God that is all around you? Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, you know, Brent, this Pete the Cat stuff doesn't work for me. It just seems kind of simple because I'm going through something really hard. You know, my life is, is, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, some chronic illness or I've had a death in the family and things are really not going well for me. And I get that and I don't, I don't want this to be trite. This is not some positive self-help stuff. What gratitude is about is, is a mindset and it's powerful. And it can, you can do it in, in any circumstance. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a place where Paul the Apostle says, I want you to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He says, I want you to give thanks not when things are great, not when you make partner, not just when the stocks are up, not just when you know, everybody's healthy. It says, I want you to give thanks in all circumstances. The word all in Greek means all. That means in the middle of your illness. That means in, in the middle of your financial difficulty. 
When things are not going right in your life, you can choose to give thanks. You can choose to focus on God's provision instead of on your circumstances. I read a, or actually I watched a video last week of a pastor, his name is Ed Dobson. And Ed Dobson, not, not James Dobson, this is another guy, he was a pastor in, in Michigan. And Ed Dobson uh, developed something called ALS. This is a degenerative nerve disease where a year by year he would get worse and worse and worse until he would die. Ed decided to do something unusual. This pastor made videos of his life as he declined into this illness. Little, little lessons about life. And one of the, the, one of the videos was called Gratitude. And he says, when things started getting worse and worse for me, when I started to de- degenerate, and I couldn't move anymore, he said I had a choice to make. I could either focus on my illness and get angry, or I could choose to be grateful. And he did. He says, I'm thankful this morning that, that I was able to get out of bed. And I'm thankful for my wife here. And he panned over to his wife. Of course, she's in tears. You know, and I'm thankful for every day that I get to look at the the sun. And so this is something that we can do, not when things go well, but things that we do, in, something that we do in the middle of really difficult circumstances. And that's the lesson here for the children of Israel. But I know that you're thinking, well, how do I do this? How do I move from grumbling to gratitude? I mean, this is something that, it's a journey that we take as we follow Jesus. None of us does this automatically. Uh, this is something that takes a, year, a, a whole life to cultivate, to practice. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I want to just look at a few steps we can take on the journey into gratitude. And the first thing is this. If you're taking notes, here's, here's one very practical thing that you can do if you want to move from grumbling to gratitude in life. The first thing is that we must recognize when we are murmuring. The first thing is just, just recognize when you are not giving thanks, when you're, when, you're, when you're murmuring like the children of Israel are doing here. And this sounds so easy, but actually it's kind of hard to recognize when you're doing this. It is so natural, and it is so easy. Our hearts just kind of, there's a natural gravitational pull towards ingratitude and grumbling. And sometimes you do this, you just have this perpetual sour mood, and you call it sarcasm, or you call it cynicism, or you call it just being smart or whatever, the Bible calls it ingratitude. Recognize when you have a perpetual sour mood. Recognize your complaining. I've got a friend on uh, Facebook, and it's none of you guys in this congregation. It's actually a relative of mine. And uh, his feed was just filled with cynicism and sarcasm and murmuring. And it was just over and over and every day, and it was the election, and it was the pandemic, and it was the people, and it was this, and it was that, and it was this over and over again. And here's the thing about this guy. He's a Christian. I know him. He, I know that he believes in Jesus Christ, and I know that he loves God, and I know that he's a genuine believer, but the thing is, he hasn't yet connected his faith with this continual grumbling. He just doesn't see it. And eventually I did something that I never do. I, I hit unfollow. But you need to recognize when you're doing this. 
It is so imperceptible. It's so natural that we don't even see that we're doing it. If you want to know if you're, if you're doing this or not, ask your spouse or ask a really good friend. Because you don't see it in the mirror, but everybody else sees it. And so if you want to have a really miserable afternoon, <laughs> have a really deep conversation with your loved one and say, man, am I negative? Am I a murmurer? Am I a complainer? What's coming out of your mouth? What's going through the uh, imaginary dialogue that you're having with that person in your mind? You've got to, number one, recognize that you're murmuring. That's murmuring. That's the first step. The second thing I want you to do is recall God's blessings, not your burdens. Recall God's blessings, not your burdens. And so the thing is, you've got to not only recognize when you're murmuring, you've got to purposefully decide, I am going to count my blessings. I am going to focus on God's good provision in my life. I'm going to be intentional about it, and I'm going to do it. So a lot of people, what they've done is they have a gratitude journal, and they uh, literally uh, write down God's blessings every single day. You know, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, the first thoughts that come into my mind are usually all the burdens of that day, all the things that are giving me anxiety. But what if you got up in the morning, and what if I got up in the morning, and instead of just letting our mind go there, we, we, we actually wrote down three things that we, will, we were grateful for. It's so simple, but this is crucial to cultivating gratitude. Uh, the other week in a, in a staff meeting, actually it was just this last week, uh, in light of Thanksgiving, we, the staff decided to do this. And so we went around the room, and each staff member just said one thing that they were, were grateful for. And so I said I was thankful for my kids, which I genuinely am. They're a blessing, not a burden most of the time. And then Barbara was thankful for her dogs. You know, she's, she's a, a widow, and she, so she has these dogs that are just really a huge blessing in her life, especially in a pandemic. And then it went on to Hayden, and he was thankful for his spouse and the ways he's gotten to serve her in the, in the, in the past few weeks. And Tara was thankful for for health, you know, in this environment. Health, just something as simple as health is a big deal, isn't it? She said, I'm thankful for that. And then, it, and then Sam said, I'm thankful for my little dog. And uh, one thing I noticed is a couple people said that they were thankful for their dog. And I noticed nobody was thankful for a cat. <laughs> uh, just think about that for a little bit. And it just light, I mean, something tangible changed in the room. And it all just, we just changed our mindset. We, we intentionally decided to focus on God's provision instead of the burdens in life. We have uh, journals back there on the table. We've had them out for a few weeks. If you want to, you can take um, one of those, and they're free unless you want to give me a love gift of $200 or more. Now, you can take one of those, and you can use it, and it's, it's a really great way to, to remember what God has done and recall it to mind. Later on, back to the story here, God uh, feeds his people. He, he meets their grumbling with the provision of manna. And ma- manna was miraculous food that God fed them in the desert. I know what, what all you are thinking, like, was it gluten-free? You know, was it organic? Did God take into consideration everybody's dietary need, needs? I don't know. But one thing he told them to do was get an ofer or an omer. And an omer is a jar. 
And he says, take that manna and put it in a jar. And why did he tell them to do this? So that next time they were grumbling, they could pull out this tangible reminder of God's provision. So that they could recall to mind God's blessing and God's gracious gifts instead of their burdens. And do you have tangible uh, things that, that you have in your life that help you to remember? Maybe a journal. Make sure that you count your blessings. The Jewish people did this. Um, they had almost had a culture of memory where they would uh, remember God's blessings. You can see it all the way through the Psalms. But they had something called the 18, 18 benedictions. These are prayers that the Jews would pray thanking God for things in their life. So they prayed the 18 on the Sabbath, they prayed the 18 on every special Jewish holiday, and they, it just reminded them of all the good things that, they, that God had done for them. And so they, would, they were called to give thanks to God, and they, they gave thanks for food. In fact, there was one rabbi that said that if you forgot to thank God for your food when you ate it, and you, you know, went somewhere else, he said, if you remembered, you had to go back to that place and give thanks again, or give thanks before you moved on. Some of you guys need to go back to the pinto because you forgot to give thanks to God for your food. They must have loved food, because they had blessings for every different kinds of food. They had blessings for bread. They had blessings for the wine. They even had a blessing for figs. They blessed God for not just food, but everything in the world. They had a blessing for comets. And they had a blessing for light. You know, they would say, oh, thank God for this lamp. You know, we could be all living in darkness right now, but God said, let there be light. They even had a blessing for the ocean, and I love the blessing for the ocean as a former surfer. You know, some people live in places where they've never even seen the ocean. You know, places that are freezing cold like Michigan, where God sends people when he doesn't like them. But they had a blessing for the ocean. (laughs) I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, nothing take it for granted, everything received with gratitude, everything passed on with grace. You say grace before meals, all right, but I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. You see, gratitude is about seeing all of life as a gift and not focusing your, your mind on the burdens, but on God's gracious provision, which is all around you. All you need to do is look for it. The third thing I want to tell you to do is remember grace. Remember grace. At the heart of gratitude is, is understanding grace, is the trauma of grace. And really, this is also the heart of our Christian faith. What, what, when, when we get ingrateful, it's usually because of, of our sense of entitlement. I deserve this. But at the heart of the Christian life is a God who did something for you that you don't deserve. It's understanding that I am more sinful than I even realize. I am more broken than I even know. And yet I am more accepted and loved because of what Jesus Christ has done for me than I even know. And when that grace, when that trauma of grace hits homes to a person's heart, it explodes in gratitude. There's a story in the New Testament of a woman 
who, who comes to Jesus and he's eating a, a meal with a bunch of religious people and she falls at his feet. Do you remember this? And she's weeping and she wipes his feet with her tears. And all the Pharisees are aghast. They can't believe, does he even know who this woman is? And he, he looks around at them and he says, you know, I walked into this room and none of you so much as washed my feet. You saw me as a colleague. But this woman, this woman is grateful. She knows the depth of her forgiveness. And when you know the depth of your forgiveness, when you know what God has done for you in the gospel, that kills entitlement. And from deep within you, it wells up this incredible sense of, of gratitude. And gratitude happens when we go back and continually remember this core thing that Jesus did for us. Now this morning, we're gonna do that by taking communion. And so if you wanna take out your um, bread in a cup, communion uh, in the old days, it was called uh, the Eucharist. Eucharist is a Greek word that literally means thanksgiving. And so this, this thing that we're supposed to do over and over again as Christians is, is just a reminder of God's grace and a time when we can just sit and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for all the gifts that you've given me that I don't deserve. And thank you most of all for giving me a new identity, for forgiving my sins, for doing something for me that I could never do myself. And so if you want to open it up, uh, the, the top half here is where the wafer is. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my life for yours. This is my, my body broken so that you could live. This is grace. Let's partake. And in the same way, uh, Jesus took the cup. And if you want, you can kind of peel this uh, thing off the top of there. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood. This is my blood shed for your forgiveness. This is my blood spilled so that you could live. This is your healing. This is your redemption. This is your rescue. This is me doing something for you that you don't deserve. But I've done it because I love you. Let's partake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning of the reminder of a simple practice, uh, something really basic in life. It seems so small, but Lord, it's, it's huge. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help us to recognize when we are murmuring and grumbling. I pray that you would enable us, Lord, however we do it, whether it's through a journal or talking with loved ones, collecting things, Lord, help us to recall to mind all the, the good ways that you've provided for us, even in the midst of our difficulties. And God, I pray that most of all that you would shock us and impact us and remind us of the grace that you have given us in Jesus. I pray that you'd kill our entitlement and I pray that you would fill us with gratitude. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name.